Welcome, everybody, to episode eight of the Hot Rod Blues podcast. I'm your host, Sean Brereton, with the man on my right. Javier Augustine, Bomber Steel Custom. Oh, are we going to your left sure, now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. We'll go back and forth. <laughs> this is Sean Young, Kingfish Metalworks. There you go. I'm Mike Abbott, Steel Rose Metal Co., and our guest, Mr. Marshall Rubilio, Mr. Eddie Wilbanks. How are you guys today? Feeling good. I good. feel fine. Good. <laughs> I feel good. You're still here. That's yeah. good, right? Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> So for everybody at home that doesn't know these two crazy cats, what are they about? What are you guys about? But uh, I got what? You got to put them, put them on the spot. <laughs> well, they need to get out the gate 80. early. Yeah. <laughs> I like your style already. Absolutely. We yeah. grew up uh, in Memphis when hot rodding was uh, Marshall really before me, but when hot rodding was in its infancy, it was just getting rolling good. Drag racing was in its infancy. We were. Uh, you know, learning about it as we went along. There was not any, nobody was professional. It was when racing was fun. It was real. It was the perfect time. I believe we grew up in the perfect time on this planet to exist. I don't think there's ever been a time like it and there'll be another time like it. And uh, we are all very jealous of that. Yes. Super bummed out. <laughs> yes, you are. think that, and then somebody who's from that era comes in and they're like, you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> Your era is not nearly as cool as ours. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for those of you that don't know, um, both of them were part of the Rodders, uh, Memphis or Memphis Rodders, depending on how people want to say it. And uh, you guys started, there's been a little, I've heard people say 1948, I've heard people say 1947. Which one was it? All right, here's a real scoop, because I was there. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. In 1947, it was. Then times were so different than they are now. Racing was from the red light. Right. Every time you came to red light, that was racing. Of course, it was so different because there wasn't all this traffic and everything. And, uh, and if you had a convertible, that was a hot rod. That's right. I mean, it's different than everything else. Yeah. yeah. And uh, very few people had convertibles. Well, then some of them were starting to customize cars a little. But this was in 47. They were, the popular one then was a 40 Ford. Yeah. And they would take the the running boards off and they would smooth the nose and the deck and everything and they were custom. But really the racing was stoplight to stoplight. Right. Well in 47 a bunch of guys got together. There were actually seven at the inaugural meeting and they formed the Memphis Rodders Club. And then a few more joined before the end of the year. And at the start of 1948 was really when the Rodders really started. Right, the official. There's two left of the original year, Bruce Hale and myself. Absolutely. And then uh, it grew from there. Now, the Rodders have accomplished a lot over the years. Uh, building something then was entirely different than it is now. Nobody had any money. Right. <laughs> and I, can remember, every, I feel like I that's can, still happening. Right say, everybody yeah. helped everybody. And I don't mean, you know, I'll say you something cheap. You built a car, you, you scrounged it. Now, we didn't come up with the original idea of doing all of this. We would read about it, but there wasn't any big magazines or anything. Popular Mechanics and Mechanics Illustrated with it. Were really where you got you got most of your stuff. Did you guys have the little pages here? Do what now? The, the little, little pages. pages. Did you have those here? 
You mean the little hot rod books? Yeah. 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 Oh, no. Yeah. There were no hot rod books. Not until they about were, the they 50s were, or hot, so. They were too busy writing the hot rod. Hot rod <laughs> magazine didn't exist. Right. Yeah. And, and we would race and we would race. And uh, back in, I guess it was either late 49, it might have been 50, but there was an abandoned Air Force base at Halls, Tennessee. It was yeah. the old Diceberg bomber base. And we would all get together on a Sunday morning and we'd ride up there with whatever we had. And it started, everybody was in a streetcar. What did you have? And then we'd take them apart. We'd take all the extra weight out. We'd take the tires off and the back deck lid off and we'd loosen up the wheel bearings and we'd take the water pump <laughs> off. And, and then we would run and we ran on a taxi strip and the taxi strip was about a mile long. Right. Well, we laid out a rough quarter mile. Right. And then, but you would go through the quarter mile, but then you didn't let off. You stay wide you open. Did, wide stay open. wide open. <laughs> yeah, you and then mile. you would make two turns and come back down the return road. Wide which open. Was about wide open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And then uh, people started building cars to run up there. And... Uh, uh, it got a little more competitive. There wasn't any admission. There wasn't any insurance. We didn't ask anybody any permission. Right. Safety, right. Just safety. Did it. That's right. <laughs> Just did it. And then in 1955, NHRA was trying to establish classes and things. It was like now. They had a lot of classes, so just about everybody come up. If you could finagle and get in a class, you're going to go home and, with it, and with win it, yeah, something. Right. Yeah. And they did establish that we had... Before NHRA, we were holding organized drag racing. We were buying insurance from Lloyd's of London. Okay. And it wasn't very much. Right. And we wasn't charging admission or anything like that. Just the people would come around. Right. And we would have the races. But the real kickoff to the drag racing in this area was when that safety safari came to to Halls. And uh, NHRA and the Memphis Riders. They sponsored that. Right. And uh, they had sent the crew. We always wanted a place closer to Memphis. And we tried and tried to get a drag strip here in Memphis. Right. How, how long did it take you guys to get up there to Halls? Like back then, there's probably. Uh, I mean, you just went any, straight up Highway 51. 51. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it. 45 minutes. So it was, still, hour, was it four lane hour, back then? An hour. Yeah, there wasn't any interstate or nothing like that. You had to go through all these little towns. And, and nobody had trailers. If you right. had a he race dro- car, it pulled it all to ground. Right. That's right. We, we had built that first dragster. And uh, I think it might have been the first dragster to ever run east of the Mississippi. Now, I don't know about Garlitz. He was down in Florida. Right. And it was the same time frame. And I look at some of the pictures of his, and then I look at the pictures of ours. Right. And uh, very similar. Yeah. Very, very shared, similar. Shared flat, inspiration. Flathead forward. Now, I had mm-hmm. gone to California uh, a couple of times and got set up with a lot of the manufacturers for speed shop here. Right. But the speed shop, I'm from an immigrant family and everybody worked and and all. The speed shop was all the decals on the side of the Coke machine when you come in the front door. It was a letterhead speed shop. And this was... And I wasn't... I, I didn't do it to make any money or anything like that. And this was like your that. family's grocery store, right? That's right. Wow. And all oh, my dad didn't eat my ass out. God doggone Saturday. <laughs> somebody coming in want to buy 
Some car parts. That's right. I, and I, I told the uh, go-karts, go-kart manufacturing company, I was doing all that. And, <laughs> but anyway, so... Uh, and a circle track behind his grocery store. <laughs> but I would get that speed equipment for buddies of mine. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, we kept trying to get a drag strip here in Memphis. And finally, Ray Godman got with two people that were with Lakeland Development Corporation, and they put in a drag strip at probably the worst place in the world. It was all hills and all out there, but it was able to get a short quarter-mile strip, and it was so short, they had the slowdown area was going uphill and a big turnaround at the end. Right. And uh, anyway... As it turned out later on, because of that, the strip was actually 13 feet higher at the finish line than it was oh, wow. at the start. It was all the grade, the grade was nobody in. knew that. Nobody yeah. knew that. Nobody surveyed now, any of that. We were having organized drag races every Saturday night, and uh, the hot dogs from all around would come in and think they're going to cherry pick because they see our times a little bit slow. We're right. not, they're all hitting right on the national record. We on flat ground. We ain't running no <laughs> flat ground. Uh, flat, yeah. ground. flat ground. And the thing about it, we didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> so Y'all just, just thought you were slow. So, but, exactly but right. Turn, turnabout's right. fair play. When we didn't even think you in any way, and they would come in and we'd beat them. Right. Yeah. Now, back in the 60s, we ran every Saturday night. Now, all the riders ran against each other. Of course, there was a lot of the guys out there. But the riders were buddies. I mean, you'd do anything in the world to help. Right. You know, if, if, if you're out in nothing and a guy needs a mag or a rent or something, right. or you'd blow up out there and it'd help you tail, pull a transmission and put it back in. Right, in the parking that, lot. Yeah, right in the, in the pit In area. the pits, And yeah. that's what it was. That's right. So were you faster when you went to their tracks? How, how we were competitive. Anyway, I, I forget what year it was. I think it was 65 or 66. I think six of our cars won their class at the Indy Nationals, wow, NHRA cool. Nationals, and that was that was really unheard of. Yeah, yeah, we won yeah. classes, we won eliminators, and Larry Nolan won best engineered car. I mean, really? And we all had those white coveralls. Yeah. And you get yeah. thirty people with white coveralls in a crowd of ten thousand. Looks like everybody's got on white coveralls. Right. And, you know. Yeah. And we were we were a dominant force. I mean, period. That's just all there was to it. Yeah. 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 They knew. That, they, first, uh, <laughs> that first dragster with the flathead in it, um, is that the one that looks like it's just like a, a set chassis. of, what, T-model frame All right, frame what rails? it was, Billy Ferguson and I built it. And we had gone to California and bought some of the stuff and brought it back. Right. And what it was, it was T-model rails. I thought so. All right. Now, we wanted to make the wheelbase a little bit longer. So the way the T model was suspended, it was sub the spring was behind the rear axle. That's right. Well, we turned the rear axle. Uh -oh. you you're all right. You're good. Did I lose it? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Oh, yeah. He's his mic turned. His mic turned. We yep. turned the rear. Switch the mic. Hang on. Uh oh. There you go. There we go. All right. We're good now. That? There we go. All right. Hey. We turned the rear end over, and that increased the wheelbase. Right. But it was strange. Then when you would Pump the, 
get on the gas, it wouldn't squat down in the back. It'd lift up. (laughs) (laughs) Oldsmobile one year, I think in the late 40s, they had developed that uh, overhead valve engine, that Kettering design. And the way it was suspended, it would do that. You could tell the car. Mopars were kind of known for jumping up in the the, the rear, too. Yeah, yeah. in the back there. They ran snubbers. On those cars, yeah, they they ran a snubber on the front of the differential that hit the body and jacked the body up when they re-entered. That's what Herb Sanders, when he was racing, I mean Herb Sanders, <laughs> Herb, Herb McCandless, when Herb McCandless was racing, that was the factory setup and everybody was running it and that was the, the trick deal for the time. They didn't have traction bar, or, you know, four links or anything like that. Just had a snubber. Yeah, right? and that, that was ran. something ran to tame the, the rear end of the bottom. Yeah. yeah. When we first started. A quarter mile was just about standard. That's what people were talking about. Right. Everything had come from California. Memphis had the uh, Naval Training Station. Yep, NAS Memphis. And there were a lot of hot rodders from California that were at Millington. The rodders met every Sunday night. And a lot of them influenced. They came in with us. And uh, we were really good buddies and everything. At one night... A buddy that we had taken in with us said they're running something marvelous in California. They had been boiling down. Could you boil down dynamite? That was a story. But I don't know. But anyway, (laughs) it was this solvent that they had developed as a cleaning solution for high-back stuff. But they were running it in race cars. And it was phenomenal. And uh, they said... Uh, they they told us how to do it. If you run alcohol instead of gasoline, you got to run twice the volume. Right. If you run 20% nitro in alcohol, you got to do twice the volume again. Wow. And so anyway, the race is usually at halls. At first, we didn't have... Uh, lights or anything like that. It was all a flagman, and it was a rolling start. Really? Yeah. And oh, really? there was a lot of jacking around. Yeah, doing that. Yeah, you know, right? you'd go back, like the boat do, you'd yeah. speed up and then slow down. And if you get pretty good at it, you know, it, it's a right. big advantage. But rolling I just starts. about forgot what I'm talking about. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, was uh, a, boiling was dynamite. That, boiling dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, he comes in and he says, uh, oh, man, they're running this wonderful stuff. And Nitromethane is what it is. Wow. Yeah. And he gets from his buddies, which you got to do. Well, a buddy of mine was a machinist. And we didn't, I didn't know anything about carburetors. Right. And George Root was famous welder. He, he was in on this. And he made all the special tubes. You had to take the dump tubes out and drill them out. And then you had to enlarge the needle and sit. You had to drill out the jets and everything. Well, the racing then, they would race the fastest motorcycle against the fastest car. Really? That was the, that was the top of the day. Well, the motorcycle always won. Yeah, it would, right. And I'll tell you who it was. Jerry Branch, who was later with Flowmetrics. Yeah. Uh, he ran race, Harley Racing for years and years. And yeah. Years. But anyway, uh, they would run the fastest car in the, in the motorcycle. And the motorcycle would always win. Well, we happened to be the fastest car that day, but we had, we were running Nitro on- methane. No, we were running alcohol. Okay, yeah. Because we didn't have but a kilo of it. 
They told us. I feel like I've heard this story. (laughs) They they told us how to tune it. He said, man, you fire it up, and then you look in and you read the top of the piston, or if you can't, you can read the plug. And if it's it's rich, you pour in more nitro. (laughs) If it's lean, you pour in more alcohol. But anyway, we made a burnout run. I don't know if we knew what we were doing or not. But anyway, but we had the four carbons we had already set up for alcohol and then it set for the nitro. We were using Stromberg 48s, I guess, and 97s right. on the other. That's what I'm talking and about. And anyway, we put those on and we beat the motorcycle and wow. nobody could believe it. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. We didn't have any ET clocks in and the clocks were homemade and sometimes they were, I think we were turning about 110, 112 yeah. on alcohol and I think we turned about 132 on at 20%. On a flat With head. a flathead. Flat yeah. yeah, the flathead. Flat head. It had a Harmon Collins mag and it, yeah. I, I don't forget what brand of uh, heads and manifold we did but we had a Winfield cam yeah and that was, was it aluminum set. headed or was it cast iron heads did you yeah no no all the ca- all, all the cast. racing heads were aluminum yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. that was the early days all the the all the little uh, foundries and everything in California right. they were so easy to make they were making heads and manifolds right and there was a bunch of manufacturing of right. course Edelbrock was right. one of the most famous Fishy, but there's wine yeah. and sharp and Navarro how quickly were you going through rings I mean, those are high temperatures. Yeah. Were you burning rings when you sweat? We didn't even motorboat. know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> when it stopped working, you just got another one. <laughs> Time for another one. Right. Put it in the box. We, we, we didn't know anything about that. <laughs> That's probably the most awesome yeah, thing I'll tell you one thing, though. I'll yeah. tell you one thing, though. Those, those Ford motors were tough. Absolutely. They were yeah. tough. They were tough. Yeah. Especially Ardman. The Arden overhead conversion. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, they were That's expensive then. Yeah. I think I think a set of the I don't know, it was run six or seven hundred dollars for a set of those heads. Six yeah. or nobody, seven thousand. Nobody had yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it's more than that. But yeah. 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 They're still yeah. expensive. Dunthop designed them and he did he was the father of the Corvette. Right. The Dunthop right. cams and the Corvettes really? and that thing. They yeah. were Arden Arden. I don't know if they were they made in Great they might have been made in Great Britain. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't I don't remember. The father of the Corvette is who designed yeah, Zora, the, Arden the Arden overhead, yeah. Zora Zora yeah. Arcus Dunthop. That's yeah, exactly right. That. Arden. Yeah. <laughs> he was a he was a he real accomplished it. race car driver too, though. I mean, in addition that he drove in uh, I guess uh, probably Le Mans and things really? like that. Oh yeah. He's okay. a Euro- big European yeah. Yeah. Right. Dunthop. I'm, I'm a fan of of that style of racing. I, yeah. I like Le Mans and all that other stuff. I've never oh, been a big drag racer guy. You always make fun of me for racing my Miata. I know, I know. <laughs> but that's 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 really the only style of racing I really. Well, like. if it had a flathead, if it had a flathead, hey, hey, that might be a shop night. We could probably find a Put class it. for that. That's right, shop night, flathead Miata. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds like a country. There's nobody style. else. There's nobody else running a flathead Miata. I'm gonna tell you about those flatheads now. When they cracked the design at 331 Hemi, and the guys that were hopping them up, now I don't know why, I'm just telling you what people did. Right. They would convert them to full floating bearings, mm. and they were using flathead type really? stuff. Because hmm. flatheads are brilliant. Yeah. yeah. They were a good motor. I, I, still, I still flathead it. Uh, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of flatheads. The beauty of the flathead is that Siamese center st- cylinders. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's got that distinctive sound. Yeah. 
instead of four, right. there's three on each side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, when they originally made that, they made that in two versions. I think the 331 was uh, 85 horsepower, and I think... I don't know what the V8 60 was. I don't know in, in displacement. Yeah, yeah. I but can't they remember. had the coolest sound. I remember Budgie Haley, which was an early member of the Rodders. He wasn't the first year, but he's still alive. He had a V8 60 in the sedan. That wouldn't pull a hat off your head, but it sure <laughs> sounded something. <laughs> the most famous thing Mike has ever told me and stuck with me is flatheads. And the tagline is, the most money you'll ever spend to go slow. That's true. <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but, you, but you guys might be changing my mind about that. Like, all I got to do is run nitro methane or, or boil down dynamite. Right. <laughs> but you did hear him say... We were doing 140 miles an hour. He said 110, but I said for, for 32. Yeah. We'll stretch hey, it for the either, story. Either way, the guy's feet are hanging out the bottom of the chassis. So yeah, like I, at 100 miles epic. an hour, I don't you want didn't my need seatbelts. You were through. done if you didn't if you wiped out. I we, guess we die like real men. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. Well, tell me about casting a uh, casting. What was it? Was it a transmission um, bell housing or a conversion? For a transmission in a parking lot, someone told me that you guys casted a bell housing in a parking lot. Who told me that? I don't. That's know. not true. No, That's I, don't, I don't. I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It may be true. Said, I, don't, I don't remember doing it. <laughs> I don't know. It might have been. It was when, a blown up bell housing on the back of your flathead, and you went back and got all the pieces, probably, and put it back. together. I, that's it. Oh, he did it. We were in halls and blue. Then you had those heavy clutches, and the, the, the discs were called velvet touch. Boy, they were wonderful because you couldn't burn one of them up. Right. But the bad thing is if you wound them up, they'd blow up. And when it did, the uh, flathead, the bell housing is part of the block. That's right. Well, we blew. And, boy, that was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what car was that in? It was in that old dragster. It was in the rail dragster? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and then that was before the days of bell housing shields or anything like that. You're right. And uh, man, we were really despondent because we had put a ton of time in that block pouring it and everything. And we did it ourselves. Right. Now, we probably didn't do it very good, but we did it. You did it nonetheless. <laughs> but anyway, we went back up to next Monday. That was on the Sunday. And gathered all the pieces that we could find. And we came back home. Eddie, we, you're killing me, man. Eddie's just rolling over there, man. Just <laughs> and anyway, we get all these pieces, and we fit them back together. Like a puzzle. And we we be everything out here. And we, yeah. heat, we built some kind of charcoal fire and heated that whole block and everything. And then we had it all beat it. Now, there were a bunch of pieces that were missing, but we just <laughs> packed them out of the stuff and put them in. Just packed them and in. And we took turns. It took a long time. We had to, we braced all that thing back together. That's it. Wow. That's the And soul. it held for a while. What's a while? <laughs> yeah. What's a while? We took that engine out and put it in our black head of Bantam coupe, and they were opening Carlisle drag strip, and they wanted something really dramatic over there well that's what we did yeah and we went over and at the third run <laughs> we looked down there and the thing is all cracking up so we had to buy out we couldn't run it <laughs> it's a safety issue on the track yeah. Yeah. wow 
I wish y'all had kept that. Just even just yeah. if you lacquered it took back together, just hung it on the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, a similar, thing, it up. A, a similar thing happened to Ray Godman. Now, you know, he was a paraplegic. And boy, he had to have the best and the biggest everything. Well, you could bore a flathead block, I think, to about three-eighths. Right. Well, you, they said the Canadian forward blocks were a little bit tougher than you could. Well, he got one, and he bored at seven-sixteenths. Now, we didn't, and I'm in with him. That's the one thing about the riders. If I say I did it, it I don't mean I did it. I mean we did, we did it. Right, yeah. And sure. everything. We're a crew. And it don't make any difference. Right. We did it. Well, anyway, so he boards at seven-sixteenths. Well, we go, try it the first time, and, of course, it blows the cylinder out. Well, a good friend of ours had Osborne after the machine shop. We went over and we bored that thing out, and they put a big sleeve in it. Yeah. And then it held pretty good. But Raymond always suspected that it wouldn't be good. Well, we were going up. It, it was the second World Series of drag racing put on by AHRA. They had that trademark name, and NHRA wanted to be the big shot. Right. And later on, they bought AHRA just mm. so they could get that title. The World Series. But anyway, and uh, we go up to that. I think this was the second year they had it. It might have been number two. It was around 58 or 59 or 60. This would have been in Chicago? It was, no, it was up, south outside. of Chicago. Right, at where, uh, where, where it, it was run It's forever. in the area. I can't remember the name. It was in the area where there were a lot of oil wells. Well, okay. we get up there the first run, Red Dyer's a drive. He blows the engine, of course, he blows one of them cylinders. Well, we went over, this real nice guy had a shop in his backyard. And we had all the stuff, well, I say we, Raymond had all the stuff. And uh, uh, we went out there, can, can you help us fix this? He said, well, no, if you knew what to do, y'all go ahead and fix it. So Raymond had worked for Mills Mars after he got injured in the, in the machine shop. And uh, well, we put the sleeve in. And, uh, in some then, guy's backyard shop. <laughs> some stranger, oh, yeah. A stranger's backyard shop. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, there's more to that story. Anyway. <laughs> well, anyway, we get out there, and I don't know. He had some other kind of trouble, and he couldn't run. It, but, but we ran. I was running a fuel altered, and we were running a flathead. And on the same – I made one run the morning of the eliminations. I forget if it was Saturday or Sunday, and blew a spark plug out. <laughs> <laughs> out of aluminum. Head. Yeah. We're running fuel. And uh, anyway, we yanked the head off, and my buddies get the car ready, and they got it in line so when we get back, we can run. <laughs> anyway, we run over to the farmer. I mean, the guy with the machine shop, and his wife said, he gone to church. <laughs> and, she she said, you know what yeah, you know what to do? She said, yeah. She said, well, just go out there and fix it. Well, awesome. So we went out there, and we got a big old plumbing <laughs> pipe plug, and we put a p- p- pipe thread in the head and put that plug in it and bore down, put a 14-millimeter plug in it. <laughs> yes. And we're back, and we're in line, and we're putting the head on, and we jump in, and we, we had a rivalry then. It was a uh, old coupe, and I think some engine builder had built the engine. Yeah. From Chicago, it might have been Granitelli. Yeah. So tell me about you were you were in line. So 
Were the guys they, pushing the car up the they, line with they, one No, they, on they hadn't called our class yet. So okay. we get back out. Oh, that's good. Right. Well, anyway, then, of course, we used to always kind of play tricks. <laughs> These guys from Chicago, they were kind of, you know, they looked down upon anybody from the right. south. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had had a couple of incidents <laughs> with them about mouthing back and forth. I love it. <laughs> anyway, they go, they, go, they go down and turn around and fire coming back. I said, well, I ain't going to be in no hurry. They're going to get kind of hot. <laughs> so, right. Well, anyway, we jack around and jack around and jack around, come back and man, they're hollering, screaming and everything. Well, man, I yanked the air so far. <laughs> oh, it was unreal. You'd have made them oh, they got, their car. Man, they got mad. They got mad. Because we won. We just turned <laughs> on their turf. But then they wanted they wanted to run again. And Raymond's driver was pretty brash because he didn't have a nickel to his leave. If right. he had a penny in his pocket, he wouldn't go to work. Red right. Dark. Right. <laughs> anyway, he'd been mouthing back, and they wanted to run again. Yeah. And Red said, well, for how much y'all want to run? Uh, you want to run for a couple of hundred bucks? That's big and money. No, That's they, big they money. didn't know. They didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and that was into it. But the next morning, Raymond wanted to drive his car. Now, he's a paraplegic. Right. He wanted to drive his car. So we, the airstrip's abandoned. So he can use his feet. Right. But anyway, so Ray and I are in the truck, and Raymond gets in the car, and we push him off. And, boy, he goes really screaming off. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> man, we see the <laughs> piston spitting out everywhere. And we're scared to death, and we get down there to Raymond. And he slumped over the wheel. And, of course, he's a paraplegic now. He sure ain't got any business driving. Right. And he looked down, and he sees all these springs <laughs> in the belly pan. And he thought they were valve springs. <laughs> Scared us to death. <laughs> and he thought he had blown his legs oh, off. Oh, blown them off. And he wouldn't. <laughs> but how would he know? <laughs> it didn't hurt him. Well, we were going, we were going from... Uh, from the World Series, and then I think it was the Oklahoma City was the next weekend. Well, instead of coming back, we just went. We had made some friends with some guys in St. Louis. We were going to St. Louis and then to Kansas City. Well, we get to St. Louis, and we had to do Raymond's block that same way. He had blown the bell housing off right. of it. And so, but this was a clean cut. Yeah. And we got a clean cut off of an old block. Right. And uh, it lasted until he blew another cylinder. Right, right. We didn't have enough sense to know that the cylinders were the strength of the block. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course, later on, they started, instead of putting water in the box, they put a, a plaster of yeah, yeah. some of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So, Eddie, how about building a dragster chassis in your carport? Somebody told me you built a dragster chassis in your carport. <laughs> I think well, Eddie builds everything. <laughs> In the carport? Everywhere. <laughs> I like your style. Well, it wasn't a carport. It was just a little garage on the side of the house. But uh, Lean-to. Yeah, back at the back in those days, uh, I couldn't afford to buy the California stuff, so I started making it myself. Right. And so before that, we had run a little dragster with a Ford engine, and it was a Logan chassis with a, a 302 Ford with Gurney-Westlake heads. So anyway, we quit racing that car, and I wanted to build a top fueler. So uh, Johnny Albright, who had a shop right over here on Summer, uh, was a chassis builder. 
And so I started building this car, and so to make sure it was done properly, Johnny would drive out of his way every afternoon and come by and check out my work and tell me to go ahead. And so basically, I built a 196-inch car uh, with an Oldsmobile rear end in it, put a late-model Hemi in it. The, the, the late-model Hemis had just come on the scene. This was about 1971, I guess. And uh, Raymond and Preston had, uh, had a little lover's tiff, and so Preston comes <laughs> over and says... Uh, <laughs> I want to help you finish that car so we can go race. So uh, we put the car together. Uh, we built it down at Torkenburg's Incorporated down on Ioka off of Crump. And uh, when we got through with it, uh, we loaded on an open trailer, drove to Gainesville, and uh, we got there just in time to tech and get in. And Preston fired the car up, and he drove all the way around through the pits till he could find Raymond and drove by and whacked it a couple of times just so Raymond would know. <laughs> no, he was there. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so... Uh, uh, that was when a guy like myself and Preston could be competitive, uh, working out of our backyard. All right. And uh, we actually that same year we ran Garlets in a match race down at Phoenix City, and City and Preston beat him two out of three times. Wow. And uh, it, it the uh, the car weighed 1,230 pounds, ready to race. That was with cast iron block, cast iron heads, and that was about the end of the uh, privateer era, I guess. Right after that, Garlitz perfected the uh, uh, rear-engine car, and the rest is big money in history. Right. But it, was, it wasn't in the carport. It was actually in a garage. I had, yeah. a, I had walls around me, so... Uh, yeah. 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 But, yep. So, I, I got a question. Uh, back in the day, you know, they always... You always see the old footage and stuff. They're, they're burning the tires all the way down the track, right? Mm-hmm. So, did they think it was faster then to to do that, or why did they do that? They didn't know any better. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, literally, I mean, literally. And right in about 1971, probably, 7071 is when they started working on the slipper clutches. And they were literally killing people. I mean, uh, if if the clutch came apart in the front engine car, uh, it would cut the chassis in half. I mean, it was, yeah. And so uh, we had a slipper clutch, one of the very early ones, and it was a real tedious uh, situation. And, but over time, they, they had a deal where it, they were blowing up so frequently, instead of trying to solve the problem of it blowing up, they tried to build Cage a car it. where it would contain it. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. inside the bell housing, they had a steel ring right. that just floated. And so if the clutch came apart, Catch it. in theory, that the spring would just spin inside there and absorb the impact, and it wouldn't cut the bell housing, cut the car in half. Right. What and, actually happened, though? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, they, they, that worked. But like I said, over time, they uh, got the clutches uh, to where they stayed together, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. But, yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah. So what led you to uh, being a machinist? How'd that happen? Well... When I got out of high school, like I said, I wanted to drag race. Larry Nolan and I were good friends. We had been riding motor scooters together before that. And so uh, we couldn't afford, like I said, to buy the stuff from California. Uh, a lot of stuff wasn't available. So I just started making things for our own projects. And so uh, I would go over to Marshall's house, and Marshall let me use his drill press, his stick welder, his uh, lathe. <laughs> and so I learned the basics from this guy right here. Right. And so uh, as time evolved, uh, I actually had a real job for a while back in those days. And so I... How, how old are you guys around this time? Uh, when I built that top fuel car, I would have been 30 years old. Okay. <laughs> 
And so, yeah. everyone so, at this table is failures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. So, anyway, so as time evolved, uh, people started bringing me their parts to work on. All the other rotter guys, Bill Fight and Hoot and uh, Larry Nolan. I mean, we all just kind of, like I said, worked together, but I was kind of the, became kind of the machinist guy. And I started welding. And uh, eventually, I decided to quit work and just do it for myself full time and I made a lousy living the rest of my life. <laughs> I can relate. I'll tell you one thing, how dedicated they were. When they were in high school, you know how when you're in high school you got that big book up in there and you got a Playboy magazine in there. You're right. <laughs> they use Hot Rod magazine. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that is true. You hear all those stories, but Larry and I, and I guess a lot of other guys did do literally had the little small Hot Rod magazines, and uh, or they weren't Hot Rod; they were just car magazines, and we'd look at them in study hall. Yeah. And uh, it was just our passion, and you know, it's uh, I guess. Nowadays, I don't know if young people have the same kind of passion. Uh, we, literally all of us, neglected our jobs, our families, everything else. Right. I mean, racing was what it was all about. Right, yeah. And that was just good or bad. That's the way it was. Yeah. yeah. What, was what was your day job that you quit? I was a, a salesman with in a division of Holiday Inns. Okay. And then I had several other jobs along, but they were all just sales or things like that. I didn't have, I never worked in a machine shop. I did get offered a job in a machine shop, uh, a good machine. And I was supposed to start down there. I was supposed to be there at seven o'clock on Monday morning. And so I'm not a morning person at all. Well, I got up at <laughs> six o'clock on Monday morning, called Mr. Good and told him I didn't want the job. I wouldn't be there at seven. <laughs> <laughs> hey, giving my one hour notice. Nice. Really, you know. So what did, what did you do for Supercycle? I never really did anything with Supercycle. They were just uh, friends of ours. I never did yeah. any work down there. I never yeah. worked with, uh, there was a guy named Schulte Sullivan uh, that was real good friends with Ron and Lou Elliott. Yeah. And Schulte built choppers. And so Shilty and I, and at the time I had a paint shop, I did custom paint work for a number of years. I painted Raymond's Top Fueler, I painted the Super Duster, the, uh, the Kingfish Funny Car, I painted a bunch of race cars and street cars. And so uh, uh, it's just, uh, just like I say, it's just an evolution of whatever happened. You know, we right. just kind of evolved and did what we did. It, there was no plan. I painted Herb McCandless's, uh that uh, 68 Dart. I painted that car in 1968. Okay. So and somebody so, told me that House of Colors may rip your idea off. Who? House of Colors may rip your idea off. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. But, uh, uh, well, Supercycle, though, what I was going to yeah. say, though, Schulte and I kind of got connected, and I had this paint booth that I built over there on Neal Street off of Poplar up there. And so we were the Bondo Kings. I mean, those choppers were all Bondo. I mean, we're just <laughs> <laughs> slop on the Bondo, sand it down to whatever Car shape you like. Carve it, whatever you like. Yeah, yeah. whatever you yeah. shape you like. You were and sculptors. Put the paint on it. Really. <laughs> and so and, uh, we were supposed to be competitors, but we were best friends, and we worked together and had a great time. And uh, it was just, like I said, things were just exciting. I don't know what else to say. Absolutely. We did custom paint work for Dobbs Ford. Uh, Dobbs Ford sponsored our dragster, and Jimmy was always kind of our patron. And uh, they would, he bought a bunch of uh, Ford Fairlanes, like yours, Shane, yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean, Sean, and yeah. it was, it was, they wouldn't sell. So he brought them over to the shop, and we'd put, <laughs> we'd put 
uh, these discrete flame jobs on them and other little touches and put custom wheels on them. Had a little sticker that said Dobbs Coyote. And uh, they'd sell like hotcakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Rebranded. Them. I was going to say, that it was kind of like the early days of uh, like Yanko and stuff like that. Yeah. You know I mean? they just, Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of the same, same type of things. So, yeah. so about House of Colors. I'm waiting. Oh, okay. Contractually <laughs> okay, I don't know where you're going. Now. Okay, he's, so. He's baiting you here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, back in the day, there was no internet, but the internet, the closest thing to it was uh, the Thomas Register. And it was a series of books or catalogs. It was a set of books about probably three feet or four feet long. And it was, the books were about three inches thick. And so you paid to get in them. And so if you had a business, you advertise, you put your name in there. So if I wanted to find paint, I would just go to the paint area and it'd be 15 or 20 pages of people that made paint. So I worked at Innkeeper Supply, part of Holiday Inns, and we had, I had access to the Thomas Register. Well, I had heard about pearl painted, pearl pigmented paint. So I started looking up pearl pigments. I found a place in New York called the Merle Pearl Corporation, and they use pearl pigments for cosmetics. So working at Innkeeper Supply, I had access to a watch line, which was a toll-free long-distance line. It cost $1,500 a month, and you could call anytime. So I'd stay after work or go in early and use that. So I called this place in New York. The guy would send me these little, little jars full of pearl pigments, and he would tell me to mix them with the paint and try them. So I would mix them with the paint and try them, sending back the results. And over the years, that became what became the, uh, I guess it was the House of Color. Was that the first one? Yeah, yeah. And that's, well, I've got letters uh, that where I communicated back and forth with these people developing this uh, these pearl pigments. They had the uh, Murano pearls. They used them in cosmetics, but they would change colors based on whether the light was reflected or refracted off of them. They would be blue or gold or red or green. I mean, it was really pretty cool. And so that's, I don't know if that was the, if they if I stole, it, anyway, I was involved, I feel like, in the early development of the pearl paint work and uh, paints. Absolutely. Well, sir, I've just passed the bar, and it sounds like you have a case on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to represent you. Yeah. <laughs> I, was say, I think the statute of limitations are probably... Well, right we've got proof. I still, I still have some of those little jars of those pearl pigments. I really? still have some of them. Tangible yeah. proof. That's, Exhibit yeah. A. Right. Exhibit A. And that was from Merle Pearl... <laughs> Corporation. Pearl, Pearl. That wow. does not sound like a real corporation. Yeah. I, think, I love it. I think it's great. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Rip. Rip has got the letters actually that really? uh, in a folder. Yeah. That where we communicated about. Uh, we're gonna have to get him to <laughs> show us those. I need to see him. That's pretty. Funny. And I, I tell people I realized this here recently. You don't paint a car. You sand a car. The painting is just kind of the icing on the cake. Yeah, that's right. No, it's all prep. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, it's all about prep. It's all about sanding. It could be a highlighter. Yeah, you, you exactly. messed up here. Exactly. You messed up there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People. People don't give uh, give body guys nearly enough credit, man. They no. put a lot of time in. They put a lot of time. So, what about more contemporary stuff moving forward? Like, I know that's all we're talking about. The early days. Um, you and I spoke about a. A Cobra build where you were talking about a, a, a 5.4 liter modular Ford. Yeah. You, you had swapped out and decided to go a different direction. Yeah, I have a problem with uh, overthinking things, and so <laughs> especially <laughs> my own projects. So I came, I bought this Cobra kit car from a guy that he had bought and never did anything with. And so I was going to put a 5.4 supercharged uh, four valve, a modular Ford motor in it with an automatic transmission with the paddle shifters and all this mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. And 
it, the concept drug on for a long time, and finally I decided if I was ever going to drive it, I needed to simplify it. Well, I decided to go with a 351 Windsor and make it more traditional and without stick shift transmission and whatever. So, yeah, and I'm still mired down in the project, <laughs> but I'm making <laughs> progress. But I'm, I, I abandoned the, uh, the high-tech stuff, and uh, I right. wanted it to be more classic, so I don't yeah. know. But I enjoy the... What I think I enjoy is the thought process and the uh, working out all the details. And then as far as following through, that's where I get weak. I have the same problem. <laughs> it would, well, the whole thing is, that, and it's a new adage maybe, is wouldn't it be cool if we, and then at the end of it, you don't do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would have been cooler if oh, we had actually done some, it. <laughs> I've built some really cool hot rods. Yeah, exactly. They've never really been built. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, got they, some, it, I got some pills that'll help you guys. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. Uh, that's something that I've decided that I, I'm in love with building the process of building. Exactly. I, 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 you know, once cars do get done, if I ever finish a car, I'm done with it. Like I, I'll drive it for a couple of months. I'll get rid of it. I, I don't. I understand exactly it. what you're saying. I, I want to build something else. What's the yeah. next thing I'm building? So it's it's definitely a building. We got involved in building. Uh, I guess you call it special motorcycles over the years. With a we developed. Some friends of mine and I developed a pneumatic suspension for motorcycles back in the early 70s. Wow. And so we built these motorcycles. We, we flat track raced on the dirt track races for about 12 years in the AMA series, and we road raced for a few years. I built the stuff. I never rode them. And I built a lot of drag racing bikes back in the day for Leo Goff and uh, other people that were really successful. And, uh, and again, it's like you said, I'd build a motorcycle and as soon as it was finished, other than racing, I was ready to move on to something else. That's, that's, right. that, that's history, you know. Yeah. What are we building next? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, Marshall, what, when did you change from cars to motorcycles, or were you always a motorcycle guy? Well, I, I was halfway always a motorcycle guy. I was interested in anything mechanical or had a motor in it and everything. Luckily, I never really got into boats, but I was interested <laughs> <Right>. in <laughs> In airplanes, and in fact, I had some flying lessons when I was young, but uh, circumstances kill that. He was also into high-end, high-fidelity. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and a crazy good photographer. Yeah, the photographer, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I've been taking pictures all my life. In fact, now I'm living in the past. I'm yeah. getting all those old pictures, and I, I, I can just about remember every one that That's I took. Right. And we're all very every grateful. Every one that I took. But... Uh, when I was into hot rods, and I also was into sports cars at the same time, yeah. in 1952, I bought a brand new Jaguar XK120, and that was the most revolution thing in the world. You just couldn't believe it. You had to be the only person in Memphis <laughs> with a Jaguar. Back no, people, I was the second one. Really? I, I was the second one. <laughs> your dad, your dad Bill, had the other one? Bill, Bill Pennington was the first one, and when I saw he, it, he, I just he, went he, wild. Hmm? And it's really strange. My daddy got a new Cadillac every couple of years, and my best friend got a new Cadillac every year. And my brother just got a, he got a Riviera, and they're all over there. We had the grocery store where the family was, and everybody would eat lunch together. The whole family would come in. The car show. The grocery store. Yeah. And anyway, and then I'm pulled up, and I show them that Jaguar. What'd your dad think and, of that Jaguar? Oh, my daddy thought I was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I was. And anyway, my brother and Doc Clark, they look at that Jaguar, and they think it's cute. And they said, how much did that thing how much did that thing cost? And I bought it from Buck, Bucky Moore's daddy. 
was, uh, he was a Hudson dealer and he was a Jaguar, just got Jaguar in. And anyway, uh, I said, uh, $4,200. And they were starting to say, what? You could have bought a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I don't want a Cadillac. That's right, that's right. What's that car in your garage right now? Is that a Jaguar? It's a, it's a 54 XK140. Yeah, that car's really got an interesting story. That's, that's a good-looking car, too. It's beautiful. The, beautiful The car. 52 I had was just like that, except it had steel wheels and the fender skirts and the lines of it were just, actually, I think, better than the one with the wire wheels. But uh, my good friend who had done the machine work on those carburetors and everything, <clears throat> he wanted that car. Now, another good friend of mine, Cordy York, who was a world-famous hunter, and his family came, had the sporting goods stores here. When he bought that new, I had my Jag, and I think I took him to St. Louis and in my Jag, and we rode both of them back. But to make a long story short, the car was shipped to, when Carter sold it to a doctor, he shipped it to Africa He was, for his residency. Right. And he raced it in some, Club races, not, not anything important. And he got banged up a little. When he brought it back, my good friend Joe Robinson bought it. And Joe was had to be a perfectionist, like a machinist. You got to drill that hole in the right place. He wants everything <laughs> right. Now, he don't like welding, though, because right. that warps everything. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I helped him, and we had some friend that was a body man at uh, Hull Dobbs, and he would come over and took all the Bondo out of it where it had been banged up. And there were some dents in it, the hood and the doors and the deck lid or aluminum, and he worked the aluminum out and everything, and then we, we painted it. But we were lifelong friends, and he had never been married. And when he died, he left me that car. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. So that one in your garage has raced in Africa. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, now, I sold it to my grandson. I got seven grandkids, so I couldn't give it to him. Yeah. But I tell everybody I give it to him because they think I'm a big shot. Marshall's dad brought a Lancia, a Pia, or Appia, whatever you want to call it, a little Lancia four-door sedan. Had a 15-degree V4 engine in it. Had one cylinder head on a little V right. engine. Wow. And uh, when Marshall's dad was uh, ready to get something else, I bought that car, and that's what my wife drove right after we got married, that little Lancia Apia. It was that's a cool. cool little car. Wow. That had to have been the only one of those in the Memphis area. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there were two Lancias. One was an attorney had a convertible. Yeah. This was a luxury four-door, but it was 1,100 cc's. I think 1100 cc. I think that's right. Motorcycle. And uh, mom and daddy, they went to Italy and back a lot. Right. And I was teasing mama when they were going to Italy. I think, what was that, in the 60s? Or the yeah. In the 60s. Mid 60s. And I said, bring me back one of them Alpha Giulietta Spiders. You know, I'd like one. Right. Of course, it was a little small race car. Well, mama thought I was serious, and they went to the dealership. And she saw that little rope. She said, I ain't buying him that thing. Well, Daddy decided he'd buy a car, and they're going to stay over here five or six months, and they have something to ride around on. So they bought this lunch. And it was 1,100 cc, and it looked, 
It was gorgeous. Red leather upholstery. And all. the doors opened up yeah. with no post. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. Suicide and all the, all the seal, like uh, wind noise and stuff, all the seal, all the door jams and everything had double seals. Wow. Four, four on the column. Yeah. Wow. Four on the wow. column. Really? Yeah. Okay. And it wow. was, uh, well, anyway, they brought it back, and I met them in New York. Uh, to drive it back. Well, Mama wasn't going to ride back in that little old car, so she flew back. But Daddy and I drove it back. Now, Daddy had been driving a Cadillac. Right. Of course, you know, that was cute because it came from Italy. But it, he, he, really, he didn't think much of it. But coming back from New York, we're averaging 33 miles to the gallon. Wow. And gas is 31 cents a gallon. Wow. And he was bragging, he would brag on that thing, a penny a mile, a penny a mile. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. Your, your parents came back. You met them up in New York. So did you drive to New York? Did you No, take no, I flew up so you I could drive back with, with you. Yeah. Dig that. And there, is this still before the time of interstates? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you were taking highways back. Now wait a minute, sixty one. No, yeah. I think there was the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike was a, there was some interstates. There yeah. were some, but yeah. not not a not lot. Not a lot. Because yeah, yeah uh, I bought a fifty seven Corvette. Larry's. I tried to find a Corvette here in Memphis. This when I was about uh, nineteen, I guess, right out of high school. I saved up my money and I wanted a fifty seven Corvette, and so I couldn't find one. So Larry's uncle found one in Chicago where he lived. So. Larry and I took the train to Chicago and drove the car back, and there were no interstates. And it was in the middle of August, and the sun was blazing down, and we couldn't put the top up because the zipper was broke on the rear window, and it would flap. So we were driving with and this. You have to. This sounds fictitious, but Larry will verify. It. So we're driving back, and about somewhere up in Missouri, we're so sunburned we can't even think. We're bright red. We went in a grocery store, got two paper sacks, put them over our head, and tore little holes so we could see, <laughs> and came on to Memphis. And we were both throwing up, sick by then. Oh man! Yeah, but uh, it was it was worth it. I, I did that once. My dad had a 1980 Corvette, and he lived in Georgia at the time, and was moving. I think they were moving back here, but I ended up driving the Corvette back, and. It was T-tops, you know, so I had the T-tops out of it. And, you know, it's nice and cool with the breeze blowing and all that. It was probably, you know, only like 70 degrees outside or 70 or 80. And I never even thought about being burnt. <laughs> but I had my hair real, real short, like a crew cut then. And, man, it, I, it, it hit me at some point. I was like, man, my head... My head hurt. I was like, oh, man. Oh, it got, it, my head got burnt so bad. That was, that was not good. That is epic. Yeah. That is epic. You were talking about the little magazines. Larry and I had a, I had a 52 Ford, and Larry had a, I think, a 53 convertible. Mine was a two-door hardtop. It was one of the magazines had an article about how to make a floor shifter. And you took a steering column, and you shortened it until it was about six inches long. And then you mounted it, you welded a muffler clamp to it, and you mounted it sideways on the tail shaft so that the shifter, the lever came up inside and the finger stuck down on the other side of the, of the tail shaft. And the only problem with it, about every day or so, you'd have to retighten the muffler clamp. But, and it shifted, you shifted over and up for low, back for second, and up for third, reverse back up. Anyway, wow. so Larry and I, over in a friend of ours' driveway, we made two of those uh, shifters, those six-inch column shifters, and mounted them on the tail shafts of our car, and we were we were hot, boy. I'm telling you. So, so it was, uh, it was three-speed? Yeah. Huh? It was three-speed, like three-speed column shifts, so yeah. it shifted mm -hmm. just, just like a column shift, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would have messed me yeah, up. Yeah, low was over here. <laughs> but, man, second, you just grab this and pull it. It'd go right into second. Yeah, it was great. But uh, yeah. if it didn't fall off first. I wonder so if we can find did, a picture. Did they not? Was there any aftermarket stuff at that time where you could buy a shifter? Is, is, was that just they a They were probably some or? coming along, but they weren't uh, accessible, I guess. Wow. Right. right. See, so I, I guess I just never think about that other than, I mean, you know, obviously 55 is... Yeah. Shift on the column and, yeah. and all that, but yeah, I never even thought about There's like when the shifter when started. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. that yeah, that would have been uh, about 1961, probably. Wow. Okay, that's cool. That's neat. That's, see, that's ingenuity, though. You know, that's that's one of those things where you got you got a problem and you got to solve it. Well, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, you should yeah. be the guy. If you don't have any money, you just do what you can do. Well, yeah, exactly amen. That, that, that's <laughs> my mo. Cut, cut wheels right. up. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. That's no right. That's 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 how I got into all of this. Is I always thought cars were super cool and motorcycles were cool, but I could never afford to buy any of it. So. I guess I might have to learn how to make it. You yeah, know, and, that's, that's and it's a lot more answer. rewarding. I mean, you know, you can, yeah. you know, you can uh, buy something or, or pay somebody else to do it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's when you do it yourself, it's just a whole different feel. You know, absolutely. Well, yeah. I love the buddy stories though, and having two friends that grew up doing this and into their adulthood. Mike and I were working on the 32 yesterday, reworking the uh, steering box on it, and it's like I'm looking at you guys. We'd be lucky if we hit that. Like yeah. that. But we <laughs> yeah. had this. I'll be dead. Yeah. Be dead. There's a lot of people lucky to hit. I got that. solid yeah. ten years yeah. left in yeah. me. That's about right. it. Yeah. We got to get it all in the next ten years because he's checking out. But <laughs> <laughs> to that point, we just reworking a problem that didn't exist until we decided to put that where it where we wanted it right. to go. Yeah. And we and, and two people. You know, a friend of mine told me a lot. He said two heads work a lot better than one you know you're, you're if, if you're willing to work with someone right you know you have your ideas but then somebody else makes a suggestion and it just changes everything you oh, know yeah. and so it's that's a a really positive thing you know working with your friends like that yeah. and it and it it, yeah, it makes it more fun good. too i mean yeah. I don't, you know you had a similar deal uh two weeks ago with the shop night you had to hit a wall they hit a wall on the uh, on, yeah. the, on the streamliner the uh, belly I taker to, I had to come in and get them squared away <laughs> no they, thank uh, you <laughs> good for yeah, you they yeah. hit a, they, this, I wasn't here I was at work but yeah. they'd hit a they hit a wall and they went to dinner and came back and everything just unfolded because yeah. they, they were yeah. able to bounce ideas you, off each other. you do like Andy does every time he hits one of those walls he puts it upstairs over his shop <laughs> <laughs> I do that now, sometimes have you ever too. seen have you ever seen the upstairs over yes, I have. yes I have <laughs> the land of forgotten yes, toys. I have. <laughs> it's yeah. a special place. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. I guess we need to talk about Eddie and, and like how he's a mad scientist. That his place looks like looks like it looks like hoarderish a little bit, the right? Thing about you know it, where everything is. Well, the thing is, you know, you got stuff, and I know Mike and all of y'all have things. And you may not have any use for them, but it's a useful item for somebody. That's and right. I just cannot see myself throwing it in the dump, yeah. you know, yeah. because I don't need it today. Somebody's going to need it sometime. But uh, my wife doesn't agree with me, but that's just the I way. I was going to say, I need you to talk to my <laughs> wife because my stuff just disappears and I don't know where it went. It was yeah. in the trash. You know? uh, funny short, you all know Leo Goff. Yeah. yeah. Well, he has a lot of stuff too. Well, he goes to Daytona every year and his wife, Jill, 
takes, she can't wait till he leaves. And she said, when he comes back, she throws away about half his clothes. He doesn't even miss them. She, she <laughs> cleans out his office. He doesn't miss anything. Never realizes it's gone. She, yeah, she doesn't, he just, Leo doesn't know what's going to be cleaned up, you know, while he's out of town. He comes back, hey, everything's great, you know. <laughs> That's right. I could use a couple out of town trips I'm, like that. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way, though. I, I, I kind of work in a little chaos. Yeah, me too. You oh, know, it's I, good. I, yeah, I, I know where everything is. There's yeah. an art to it, and I think yeah. artists' b- mentality does that. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Creatives definitely yeah. have messy desks and yeah. all that I mean, kind I have of a, stuff. I have a whole part. shelf over there that we just, uh, we just put in because I decided, um, you know, that all of the three-inch pieces of tubing that's on my bandsaw yeah. over there, I shouldn't throw away because I might oh, need man. that three-inch piece of tubing. So we installed a shelf for the three-inch pieces of tubing so, so, that I'll probably never use. So to that point, now Javier says, oh, yeah, this is great. Chaos is awesome. So Javier and I, we own a building together, yeah. and we're, we're a few weeks away from moving in. Well, we'll find out if he's really on board with this chaos. Because <laughs> Sean's chaos, Sean too. and I are really good friends, and, and uh, I talk about Sean uh, with Mike and I, but he'll tell you. What did I tell you we were going to do? We were going to put a wall, right? Yeah, you were going to have a divider in the middle of it. Uh, have your chaos yeah, on the other side is, of the wall. Mess, this is your mess. I don't do roommates anymore. I did yeah. roommates when I was younger for yeah. that exact reason. I don't, have, I don't have a problem cleaning my mess. Yeah, well, we're having a basketball goal, so I'm just, I'm just getting that on the table. As long as it's on that. your side of the wall, man. I can't wait until you guys are 100% moved in. And you can't tell the difference between the sides of the walls. Yeah, probably. It's going to look like chaos. This wall doesn't mean anything. Probably. probably. Is it what they say? You know, good walls make good neighbors. So, you know. (laughs) We're going to need a bigger wall. (laughs) (laughs) Got to build a bigger wall. That's the first wall I've grown up. You can tell his side. It'll probably be swept and mine won't. Right, right. So how long have the rotters been the rotters? 75 years. 75 years. In the early 60s, 60s, uh, we would have a meeting every Sunday night, and everybody would go to Halls or Carlisle or wherever, and everybody would get back to Memphis usually in time for the meeting up up at Ray Gammons at the corner of of Summer and Parkway, and we would meet. And those nights, we would have 50 or 60 people every Sunday night at the meeting. I heard those were kind of wild. Well, the meetings weren't so wild, but what happened, uh, <laughs> we would... Uh, this is another part of growing up in Memphis. During that period of time, Memphis was the coolest place on the planet just about. We had music, we yeah. had cars, we had motorcycles, we had uh, just everything. I mean, I don't know what, what else to say. And so after the... Uh, and Overland Square was just kind of coming around shortly after that. So after the Rodders meetings, we would all go out and uh, go someplace and drink beer and listen to live music. I mean, it right. was fantastic. You know, it was just uh, great. And that was probably the wild part, I guess. But you Yeah, know. yeah. I mean, in the 60s or 70s then? Uh, up into the 70s. 70s. We quit 70s, having 70s. regular meetings in probably uh, the mid-70s. Yeah. And then the Rodgers reunion started. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it started when they were building Memphis Motorsports Park. And the promoters there thought they'd get all the rotters together and maybe get some hints on what to do. Now we had put racers on at halls and we had promoted shows. In fact, the rotters first were really heavy into shows when all the racing was on Street Brothers. Mm. And that's hot, that, well that's another story, but for, 
two or three years, we made money, so much money in the shows that nobody had to pay any dues. And we would have these fabulous parties. Mm -hmm. And it was usually promote the parties. Yeah. And then we'd have some kind of naughty parties. <laughs> Marshall promoted those. <laughs> I can tell by the way he said naughty that he was, <laughs> he was the organizer. <laughs> no, but then now I forgot what I'm talking about. <laughs> Remembering the naughties. Well, anyway, part of the reason that Drag racing evolved as far as we were concerned. We would put these shows on, and they kept getting bigger and bigger. They started downtown at the auditorium in the North Hall. Yeah. And then uh, the next year, we started selling booze and stuff, and then charging a moderate admission. Yeah. But then they kept growing and growing, and we moved to the fairgrounds. And then we started really having good judges and stuff like that. And a lot of out-of-town cars would come in. Well, there was one incident that happened, and we had the big show. And this car, he had won everything in the area from Birmingham, and it was a fabulous car. But when we had the judging, the judges judged everything. We had one a judge of paint, one originality, and one craftsmanship, and blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, this car didn't score tops enough to win overall. Another car did. And we're giving out the trophies, and of course, we're giving out the big first place trophy and the second place trophy. No, he don't win first place. <laughs> oh boy, and he throws a tantrum. <laughs> he gets that trophy and he slashes it up against the post. And if this was a Saturday night, he wanted to get his car out there. I'm going home, boy, he really made a big stink. And we felt so bad about it. That was embarrassing. Right. For him, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it was exactly. embarrassing for know, us, you know. Right? No, it sucks that it's your show, and, but and I mean, it, it really got to us because you know we think we feel like we had done the right thing. Yeah, right? Uh, we might have promised him he's gonna win if he comes up. <laughs> <laughs> So when you say that. naughty, you have like a really <laughs> naughty lifestyle. <laughs> Come back next year, you'll be first, no, I promise. And, and I'm going to tell you what now, that's just about the time we started to go to the drag races. Oh. And we and we talked about it a lot. Of course, we were trying to race any, anything. Right. But the thing about the drag racing, there's no ifs, ands, and buts. The guy that gets down there first, he gets the money. Right, he's the winner. <laughs> right. That's no right. Question. And that was really that, that was really something. We all got we were all Marshall and Larry and everybody in the club were racing, but in uh, I guess the uh, early '70s they started having bracket racing. Yeah. And we all pretty much dropped out. Really. Uh, Any time you win a race and lose at the same time, right. it ain't racing. That's right. <laughs> and so yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, we all quit, and that was pretty much it. And after that, the Rodders became more of a social club. And we had these uh, New Year's Eve parties, and they evolved into being the party of the year. And the last one we had, I was the promoter, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, and I was freaked out. We had, let's just say we had two or $3,000 in the bank, but we had an overhead of about seven or $8,000 for the party. We rented a big room at the Holiday Inn, had a great band, uh, I mean, the whole thing. And after that party, I think we had about eight or 900 people show up and I just freaked out and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. We quit doing it. I mean, it was just, but it that we had, we were the party to go to in town. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. 
I still feel like the Rodgers reunion is that. Yeah, it is. It um, is. It's it's like that. It is. How did you guys like this last year? Oh, it fabulous. was fantastic. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. What's amazing is it just keeps growing, and I just can't believe. I'm just. Uh, I can believe it, but I'm just impressed that there are that many people that are that much into the cars, and you don't know about it. You, all these people yeah. just show up. You say, "Who? Where do they come from?" You right. know, they're yeah. around. I they're found out there's a guy right around the corner from me building a Cobra kit car. He's yeah. three minutes from my house. <laughs> your, your, <laughs> I, your, I neighbor, know it. your neighbor didn't know it. Yeah, and he's probably going to finish his. I'll say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say y'all can help he's each other out. He's we're, eight miles himself. We, we got it? faith in you, Eddie. We got faith in you. <laughs> what impressed me the most about the way you guys put that show on? It reminded me of the way the riders were when we first started racing. Everybody had a single purpose and personalities. Now, I know there was a little static, and there's always going to be a little static. Right. But overall, you got the job done, right. and yeah. it was good, and yeah. everybody was Absolutely. happy except the ones that got their toes stepped on a little. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think they or didn't get any barbecue because they were parking cars. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. I heard the barbecue was good. I didn't, I heard, yeah. I didn't even see or smell the I didn't barbecue. eat any food either, but yeah, yeah that was us, our job. None of us ate. <laughs> no, <laughs> none of us ate. That's okay. We well, got it yeah. done. I, tell you, I, I was glad that um, that Leonard's was able to do it. Kind of, It kind of happened at the last minute, but they've been a part of it for so long, I was really glad that they yeah, were there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they it, killed it because it, it, it they took, were expecting what? We, we were thinking, we, we, what, 300? 400, I think was 400? what we gave them. We said 400. Yeah, we did way over 400. And we had yeah. 400 cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what got me. The car, I couldn't believe the number of cars that showed up. I mean, that's just. I've said it before on this show. Like, I, I couldn't get high enough in the room because it was all inside to get a full yeah. picture of all of the cool cars. He hadn't finished there. his move yet either. There, you know, yeah, he, he's, he's moving, moving next door. But, but he hadn't, it's not, I talked to somebody the other day that was oh, doing some work oh, there. Oh, they're, they're in now. Oh, they're yeah. completely in? Yeah they're, complete, yeah, they're completely in the new building, and it's packed. Who are we so, talking about, Sean? Art and Speed. Art and yeah, Speed. Yeah, Art and Speed out in Collierville is where we had, uh, where we had the Rodgers reunion uh, this past year, and um, Art and Speed is moving. They moved to a building right in front of where they were, and the building that they were in was part of another building yeah. that, had, yeah. uh, that had a lot of storage in it. They, they'd store uh, RVs, RVs and, yeah. and things like that in there. So there was tons of room. We parked all the cars in the, in the aisleways. And we figured out in the beginning we could fit 44 cars, 44 cars on an aisle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we ended up... We we thought we'd only need two aisles, maybe like one, <laughs> one, yeah. one, and maybe one and a half. Well, my favorite thing is when two. he he said uh, he said you'll never fill these two things up. Yeah, and he, he did. Wa- and he wound up opening a whole different section of the warehouse. Yeah, so they could park yeah, yeah, we had to go to the back part space. of the building. Well, I think there was yeah. people that actually did park outside. So, so yeah, Ju- Justin yeah. called me the other day. Uh, I might be making a sign for him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You hear me, Justin? <laughs> Call me, buddy. <laughs> See how we plug the Art and Speed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was shameless. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Art and Speed's a good place. Yes, it yeah, is. Yes, when it I is. heard yeah. what you were going to do and have all those cars inside. And I'm thinking to myself, I've been through a lot of stuff, putting on shows and drag races and stuff like that. But I said, that's going to be the biggest traffic jam I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And we got me, we got there a little bit early, and everything was going so smooth, man. There was nobody, two or three waiting to get in, and they coming in right away, yep. and they're parking them right away. And then after it's over. Nobody hit each other. After it's over, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't all that jam. Everybody, no. hell, they just, everybody's Peeled out. out. It was a perfect, we, we had a long meeting about yeah. how we were going to do that, and yeah. it went out. 
So that was good. I would just about a couple of arguments. I just uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Here and Truth there. be told, Marshall, we got to do a big fight about it before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got the impression that y'all knew what you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm we fake it hey, real hey, well. Hey, hey, Mike, it worked. <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to give worked. credit to Brereton here. Yeah, now. yeah, that's going to be Sean Brereton. He he came up with the with the whole idea of the parking. And, and, of course, you know, the guys that helped out with the parking. All yeah. those guys that showed up. Actually, the yeah. guy across the street. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, at, uh, Jeff saved Power. my butt. Man. Those, and so yeah, just so many guys showed up and was just happy to help. It was, yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah. It really no, there was. there was a point where we were parking cars and stuff, and it was taking so long, you know, to get yep. somebody in. And I'm trying to get them so tight. Because right. I knew, like, I was like, man, there's a lot of cars here. Like, we can get these things tight, you know. So you're trying to move them over, trying to move them over. And Jeff stepped in, and, and he started, he'd, he'd be like, okay, move on to the next one. I'll get this guy over, you know, whatever. Right. So so he'd do that, you know. And then, and then, and then we ended up uh, finishing one aisle, and the next aisle starting to park. Oh, and yeah. that's, you know, Javi was on the, Javi was on the next aisle parking yeah. cars over there it was like ah. we never skipped a beat it probably looked really good from y'all's angle yeah we were yelling at each other <laughs> oh, it was chaos. Yeah. i was just staying in the background i didn't want to get yeah. involved yeah. <laughs> yeah so we uh how are we doing on time we're uh, hey yeah. we're about at probably an hour and 10 minutes but yeah, okay. if you guys want to keep going i'm i'm i'm, yeah, I'm so all do you in. guys um, I don't have anywhere to be till tomorrow at so, 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 <laughs> so we'll we'll finish it out and let's finish it out on um so What's what's next? What's, what's from next? here? What's the future? What's, what, yeah. what's next is the Rodders are redoing their charter and everything, and we want to take in some new members and all. And we want you guys to be very heavily involved. And uh, carry the carry it on. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. 75th anniversary. And, I, and we got to do it pretty quick because I'm slipping fast. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're sharper than most 30 year olds. I was going to say, man. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, we never really said how old Marshall is. Marshall, how old are you? 115. He's my younger brother. <laughs> we joked that he's 150 years old. May the yeah. 3rd, I'll be 94. Hold on, you were well, born May the 3rd? Yes, sir. My birthday's May the 5th. That's what... Cinco de Mayo. Hey. Well, you can join our party. <laughs> <laughs> You're a May 2, aren't you? May now, wait a minute. May 28th. Uh, Preston is May 28th. Preston Davis. Wow. John Callies is May something or other. We have a we have a birthday lunch every in May. Wow. Yeah, I was supposed to go last year, but my wife wound up booking us a trip in Florida. That's right. Uh, my video <laughs> called you guys. Well, you could have taken it down there. Yeah, I went. <laughs> yeah, Sean went in my place because Sean was not born in May. No, I was not. I'm a June <laughs> yeah. baby. He's a now, pro- wait a minute. He was your proxy? You, you went to the party or you went to Florida? No, I went to the party. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. I, went to, I went to Florida with Mike's wife. <laughs> it was a weird trip. <laughs> Mike was there too. Yeah, <laughs> right. It was odd. So, so the Rodders will continue. How about you, Eddie? What, what's what's going on with you? When when is this Cobra Kit car getting done? When and we gonna throw a party and, at? Well, and, I don't. I can't say, but uh, I want to get it done. And uh, my sons are anxious for me to get it done. And my grandkids, and probably my great grandkids. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, but I I work every day. I still love to work. Uh, people ask me when I'm going to retire. I said, well, if I retired, I couldn't charge for my work. So I got to, you know, oh. so this way <laughs> I can keep twice. charging. And uh, and also like to eat. So that's encouragement to work. <laughs> yes. And so uh, I just want to continue to have uh, just a happy, uh, blessed life like I've had, and just enjoy. Uh, I enjoy all the people. I I, I still uh, have people 
calling me up saying, I got your name from so-and-so, and it's yeah. just to kind of, you know, and I, I'll get uh, work all the time. I've got probably five jobs that just came in the last week or so, people. And over the years, my name, I guess, has just kind of become a go-to guy, and so uh, I enjoy being in that place, yeah. and I enjoy working with the people. And uh, as far as I know, I've not made many enemies. I, I haven't made... Uh, Maybe a lot of money, but I made a tremendous number of friends, and to me, that's a lot more valuable and a lot oh, more yeah. fun. Yeah. And so, uh, that's where I'm at. I, my wife and I just are really thankful at all that we've been able to, you know, yeah. do. And we've been to Bonneville, to the Salt Flats. Uh, I've been on a pit crew at the 24 Hours of Daytona. Uh, I've been uh, involved in aircraft. I've been involved in uh, all kind of professional motorcycle racing. Uh, Professional drag racing to an extent. Uh, I've lived a life most, I've been on uh, treasure hunting, diving in the Caribbean. I mean, wow. most people can only dream about, yeah. in my mind, the things that I've actually had the opportunity to do, and I'm just really thankful yeah, for it. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. So I kind of wanted to plug something that, that Eddie had given me a while back. So I, I've got, um, it's it's a short history of the history of the Rodders, and it was uh, an article that Eddie had put out in a magazine years yeah. ago so i've still got it and when we air this podcast i want to release it then you okay. know, i've been kind of holding on to it and kind of saving the right time it's like the perfect time right now it, it is but i'm telling you when you read this it will blow your mind you're talking about the biographies yes uh and one of the most interesting things about that of all of those i don't people know that but most people are familiar with the company hypertech yep. right it was started in sun studios wow really he, the building was empty. Mark rented the building, started Hypertech, and in the back half of the building, a guy was doing uh, velvet paint jobs. You know, the old yeah, velvet. Was, yeah, the velvet canvas. Yeah. yeah. And he, well, they pay, yeah, Volkswagens were the big ones. They'd paint them with that velvet paint. Anyway, the front door had a, had a green front uh, door on the building in velvet. And in, while Hypertech, actually it wasn't Hypertech at that point, I guess it was Cam... Uh, dynamics or something was being born and at the same time Racing Head Service was born there Wow the, the founders of Racing Head Service actually Mark Heffington was a part I can't remember all the names but he was actually a part of the original founding of it basically and it all evolved out of Sun Studios Wow that's amazing yeah and that's just that's, that's Memphis. These stories, yeah, it is. These so stories Memphis. he's talking about. I sat down with these people, and I, I basically just had a conversation. I wrote down what they said. This is not my view. This is what they said about their lives. Right. I did one about Marshall, uh, Ray Godman, uh, Mark Heffington. Uh, I can't remember who. Anyway, so when you, if you read these things, you're reading the words that these guys told me about their life. That is epic. It, yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable when that you start true. reading it. I mean, just. It I'm excited blow, about it will that. Blow your mind! I I'm can't a little wait disappointed for you that you just hold on to that. Well, just, I, I, I wanted the the right time. I knew that there would be a moment that 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 I would actually you know pull this card out of my pocket. And here it is. <laughs> and here it is. Yeah. Right here. You know I'm going to need that information, right? So, I, I'm going to send yeah. it to you. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Cause, yeah. Because Marshall and I are going to get together on on the 75th yeah. anniversary yeah. So, and so, oh, do, yeah. do a piece in modern riding. To Eddie's credit, and this is kind of funny how I got it because he lost it. And then he shows up with a hard drive that was pulled out of a PC and just hands me a hard drive. It's in here somewhere. Here you go, computer guy. Well, and, and no, and, and 
to his word, I dug around and there it is. You know, I pulled yeah. it out of this, you know, miscellaneous hard drive that he had laying around. Wow. So. Packard, yeah, the, 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 uh, the title of the articles were Ripples and Cornerstones. And I got that from a book that Victor Davis Hanson wrote about ripples of battle. That's another story. But anyway, so the concept was these people were the cornerstones of racing. Right. And their lives put the ripples from their lives affected people all over oh, the yeah. country. And back at that time, Memphis was, uh, I think it was said that there were more speed equipment manufacturers in Memphis than any other city in the nation. Wow. Uh, California may have had more as a state, but Memphis was the big place. Right. And so all these people were, were cornerstones of that industry, and the, the ripples from their lives affected people all over the world, literally. Yeah. Right here in Memphis, Tennessee? Right out of Memphis. Yep. That's awesome. Memphis had the most racing cam manufacturers yeah. yeah than any place in the country yeah. yeah absolutely that's amazing yeah it still blows me away yeah. you know well i'm looking forward to that well guys we need to we need to all try to remember all these things and document it because like i said it it, it gets lost yeah. and uh when it's lost it's gone and yeah. so uh that's, that's, you, that's, that's why y'all are that's sitting right where you're at marshall marshall and i are going to go down to the library and uh try to research the memphis gold cup mile there was a mile horse track in Memphis. Wow. And it was up on Thomas. And it later became Lazaro's Junkyard. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. And I don't know if any of y'all ever went to the junkyard, but when you went in there, well, first there was these big stone uh, gates like at the entrance. And there was actually a plaque out on the street that told the history of the track. And in Mr. Lazaro's office, there were pictures of these women with the bustles and the men with their hot top hats and all. Yeah. And it was a mile oval. And when they built the junkyard, they just left the track, and that's that was the road through the junkyard, and all the yeah, junk was piled yeah. in the infield and out around the perimeter. Really? Yeah. And they never raced cars there, but it was a racetrack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. horse race. Horse yeah. And there were there were two, I guess, uh, motorcycle and car tracks at the fairgrounds over the years. Really? Yeah. They raced midgets and motorcycles. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh. Oh, oh, yeah. Not, really? The, yeah. I mean, we came to Memphis in the wrong era. I know, right? Yeah, totally. He, he said it when he totally. sat down. He's like, I'm about to tell you all how terrible yeah. you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I believed him, but I didn't want to believe him, but now I'm just going to go home and cry. Those yeah. tracks opened a whole new set of stories, yeah. and the riders were concerned with them. And one was right on Central Avenue, and wow. that's when a yeah. midget Racing was so popular in this part of the country. Of course, it started in the Midwest. You know. Right. In in the early major racing, the little sixty model V eight Fords, they were everything. Yeah. 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 I mean, like you don't see you don't see midget racing around here at all anymore. It's some yeah. still going yeah. on up in Indiana. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 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 big in Indiana. Of course, Tulsa, the the Chili, Chili Bowl, Bowl and yeah. all that. You know. Yeah. But like, but but you don't you don't really see midgets around here. You see sprint cars a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Riverside. Yeah. Opened in 1948. I don't know why. 49. Yeah, I think, I think well, you're right. It's rumored to be the, the I was longest. Almost, I was almost an investor in Riverside. Wow. Wow. A bunch of us used to hang out at Montgomery Auto Supply, which before the days of the speed shop, of course, they had some little speed stuff up there. And the owner was Sonny Montgomery. Well, his daddy owned uh, Dixie. Auto parts, which were a wholesaler for all auto stuff, so hubcaps, imitation white sidewalls, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And his daddy had a lot of holdings in West Memphis, Arkansas. Well, I went in there one day, and I was pretty young, and 
everybody thought I had money because that, <laughs> my, my family family. had a little a money. New, a new Jaguar. I was I was just a new Jaguar. One of two in Memphis. Daddy wants to see you. And I thought, uh-oh, man, this sounds serious. <laughs> I thought it was something I'd done wrong. I said, no, no, he said, no, 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 he got something for you. And so I went up to see him. Well, they wanted me to be an investor at the original Riverside. They were going to build it on that gumbo over there. And it's yeah. an ideal location board between Memphis yeah. and West Memphis and everything. Well, I went over there, and I don't remember the exact figures. I think for $3,000 or $4,000, I could have been a 20% interest. Wow. Wow. And I had some money now. It's kind of a miser, but... I wasn't going to put my money in that thing. <laughs> so I went out. <laughs> I asked my daddy, I said, Daddy, will you, uh, will you leave me like, three or $4,000? And, you know, it wouldn't have been nothing to him. He said, for what? I said, well, I want to invest it in something. He said, for what? I said, a racetrack. And then, of course, he had, we had properties in Hot Springs, and they had to Well, he thought I meant horse racing. <laughs> 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 and boy, I said, he said, a racetrack where? And I said, oh, wait a minute. And he lit up. He said, how much? And I'm telling him, and he's really interested. He said, you going to build a horse racetrack over there? I said, no, that is for cars. He said, what, you crazy? <laughs> Here's Marshall. Marshall. This may have been part of my downfall. Marshall told me early in life that he couldn't wait to earn some money so he could go spend it. <laughs> and that's been my philosophy, I think, ever since. Ever since. I want to make some money so I can go spend it. Absolutely. So, guys, it, there's, there's one story that hasn't come up yet that, that is just great, and I don't want to let you guys out of here until somebody you know, tells about it. But uh, the drag race that you guys were planning to have on Highland Avenue... Memphis at that time, <laughs> there it is. the riders with Memphis was trying really hard to get a drag strip here in Memphis. And we got associated with the Junior Chamber of Commerce. And a lot of us joined the Chamber of Commerce trying to promote this. And boy, it was a good thing. And they saw them. And boy, of course, they talk real big, those guys that are just coming up. But anyway, it came up about, let's put on an exhibition on the street so everybody will see what drag racing is. And it was brought up, you know, maybe we could block off Highland. <laughs> now, you think of Highland like it is today, but it hasn't always been like that. Okay, okay. <laughs> so now you think of Highland maybe... Give me uh, some cross streets. Highland to what? Between uh, Walnut Grove and uh, wow. the railroad tracks. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really. So Southern and Walnut Grove? Right. Where the college is at? From basically from Kroger to the college. No, he said no, Walnut, no, Walnut, no. Walnut Grove. From Walnut Grove going uh, north. North or summer. summer. Okay, I was going to say, that was probably out in the boonies then. Wasn't it wasn't out in the boonies, yeah. though. But, but it then was, the yeah. Eastgate was, was already there. And That's a pretty good slope. Uh, if the topography is yeah. the same by the golf course. It was almost a dream. I mean, it, there wasn't anything real, real to it. Yeah, but, 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 but they, one they thing real, and the Rodgers had promoted this, uh, we saw somewhere that a city was trying to get a drag strip. But then we came out with these stickers that went on the back of everybody's car and said, Memphis needs a drag strip. Yep. Well, of course, the... Riders, we were dedicated to safety. That's in the charter and everything. And uh, 
you know, anybody, if you run out of gas or you have a flat, somebody stop and fix it. But also, a lot of there was a lot of racing from the stoplights and stuff like that. Right. And every time somebody got arrested, the, the newspaper would come out with that Memphis nigga drag strip on the back. <laughs> Boy, there was a lot of negativity. I'll tell you that. And the police it just irritated them to death. Well, so I mean, it, you know, we're kind of going through the same thing right now. With with they keep calling it drag racing, which is not drag racing. It's idiots doing stupid stuff on the interstates. But but you know, they're they're trying to crack down on that now. And it, you know, I. Those people need to go to the drag strip. We have a drag strip. They yep. need to utilize it, and they need to they need to go and do their stupid stuff there. Well, it's free to kill yourself and, on the interstate. It, They're yeah. not going to pay twenty five dollars yeah. to run on Tesla. Like twenty dollars well, run as many times as you want. You well, know? in in their defense, history repeats itself, right? Yeah, right. You know, I'm, I'm sure that, that people our age in 1950 yeah, but, yeah, felt but, the exact same way well, about no, these no, guys. Because, no. <laughs> see, they were, they were racing because they didn't have a drag strip. We have a drag strip. No, it's different, though. No, we they were we wanted to them. race. They wanted to show off. Right. Two yeah, different yeah. things. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Right. Yeah. That's true. Right. Hey, I do, I do have a question. Were you guys, like, around when cruising on Summer Avenue started? Is that... Oh yeah, you know, yeah. That, oh, like, yeah. How, did, how did that start? Because I mean, when I grew up, Summer Avenue was the place. It was. I mean, oh you know, yeah, it was. yeah, yeah. And there were there were some spots where everybody hung out. Willie King's was on the corner of Union Avenue, extended in Poplar. And Summer the, Avenue, what was it, a Crystal or a... a yeah, the Crystal. The crystal the, the, the the pitch, the pitch. And they would gather there, and then the hot cars would go there, and you'd go through the parking lot, and the somebody, top, the then hot, you'd get together. Yeah. But I cured a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> I had the Austin Healey 100 with a V8 Chevy in it, a 265 yes. Chevy. Yes. And boy, it was fast. And uh, I mean, it was really fast. Of course, so then there were no tires. I had butyl rubber tires on it. That's the best you could do. And anyway, I had basically a Corvette engine, and I was a thousand pounds lighter than a Corvette. Wow. And I went through there two or three times, and I'd go out and race people, and I wouldn't race them. I'd tease them. I'd go up <laughs> and then I wouldn't give them the finger, but I'd wave. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd stab it. And then after that. And nobody calmed down. Yeah. <laughs> nobody knew what they did with each other, but uh, yeah. the big fish was done. Yeah, yeah that was a big yeah. thing. There were drive-ins. Like I said, there was uh, the Toddle House out on Poplar, and there were Bonnie's over on Summer. There was in the the Jungle Garden down on Union, which was supposed to be the world's first drive-in. So there were a lot of places, and then there was uh, Gillies down on Third Street, and so you had little groups that had their place, and uh, you know they'd. Get together and go out and race against each other, or whatever. But it, right. it wasn't it wasn't rampant. It was you know it was and yeah. most time it do it in fairly safe places. I guess yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. remember well, anything. Well, I mean you know back in the '80s when when I'd be there when I'd be on Summer Avenue and stuff. You, you have the group that would hang out at the McDonald's over on Poplar. Then there was another group that hung out at Crystal, and then and then there was you know cruising up and down Summer was. Yeah. From super shops to Zares, yeah. uh, you know, and you go back and forth there, and uh, I hung out in the parking lot. Yeah, and then uh, sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah. AutoZone parking lot, which, which, which yeah, which it wasn't AutoZone then. Um, I don't even remember. It was a Central Hardware or something then, wasn't it? Maybe. What was that speed shop across the street? It's at O'Reilly's now. Yeah, speed is super shops. Super shops. shops. Yeah. It was super shops. Yeah. And then it was yeah. uh, it was had a dyno. Lucky's. Then it was Lucky's Motors. That's what I remember. we were all kind of out of the street stuff by then, Because, like I said, we all kind of evolved out of it in the early 70s. Yeah. And then uh, 
a lot of the guys got into street riding, and right. uh, and a few people kept drag racing. But the 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 kind of the core of the group kind of like I said when they started bracket racing, it wasn't racing anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. I gotcha. Was was Walker. Was Walker in with you guys? Was Walker yeah, in Vernon Walker. Vernon, Vernon, Vernon. Vernon. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so he was in with you guys and then... Oh, yeah. And then he, he had a rider. Yeah, he had a, he had a Topolino, an A-altered Topolino. Wow. wow. That's cool. And that's nice. the same as a Simca. Right. With a, Very with a, close, with a yeah. custom radiator. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> like that car <laughs> Callie's has now. It looks yeah. like that little car John's got. Yeah. All right. We either got to cut this off or somebody bring me a bucket. <laughs> let's, let's call it a night guys there thank you guys. Go. yeah thank you guys so much yeah, yeah. no we, we appreciate you guys coming and uh hey you know we'll do this again uh we, we enjoy the company of you guys and uh and and we have a great time every time i'm gonna around. tell you what we i got hundreds of stories and he does too that hadn't even been Okay. And we'll make up some if we... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Start with those and we'll work back to the real ones. There's nobody left to dispute you, so you're right. That's right. There's enough for a whole show about me and Raymond Godman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we'll definitely get you back on, for sure. Yeah. Well, Javier, get us out of here. I don't know if I want to... Get us out of here with the 30s voice. I don't know if I want to do that. No, you got it. Javier does a really good 30s announcement. That is all Javi. What's that, right here? Right there. Right there. That's you. This has been... And uh, Hot Rod Blues with your guest, Marshall Robilio and Fast Eddie Wilbanks. <laughs> Tune in next week when we investigate something cooler. There's not going to be anything cooler. Just no, come back. Cooler. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right. guys. We'll Thank see you guys. guys. Yep. Bye. Good night. <laughs>